Welcome to Death and Aliens, an in-depth look at horror and sci-fi TV from two friends who vaguely know what they're doing. I'm Courtney. And I'm MK. And how are you? I am sweaty. Oh, same. And like not even in a good way. Because like, I mean like, I went to the gym three times last week. Of course, I'm a little bit pissed off because I went to the gym three times and my weight went up. Look, it's because you're building muscle. You know the rules. I know. I I just you also drink like 17 gallons of liquor on Friday, so that probably didn't help. (laughs) I did drink a lot. Um, For those of you who don't follow me on Instagram. I drank enough that I spelled watermelon peach with two W's and an X. Only one of those letters is in there. One time. Correct. Correct. There's also definitely a Y somewhere in there. And three P's, I think. So you told me about this on Saturday and then I saw your post like today about it. And I was like, what happened here? Like, I know what happened here and I'm still not sure what happened. Like... (laughs) The worst part was that, like, I was sober enough to know that that was not how to spell it, and I pressed send anyway. Look, I mean, even, like, I could have no alcohol in my system and type something like that and just be like, look, it, I don't even have time to fix it right now. They'll figure it out on the other end. Like, I've definitely sent stuff weirder than that. that yeah, I, I showed that. that picture to Dan and Doug, and they said, um, if you hadn't told us ahead of time what those words were supposed to be, we wouldn't have known. That is fair, because I looked at it, and I was like, what is happening here? And I was like, oh, no, I know what's happening here. I've forgotten. That says watermelon. Kind of. That says watermelon. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I went to the gym, and then I got drunk. Yeah. That's that's really it. I I have clams on Saturday, which is always a highlight of my life. I love clams. Um, Me, too. I found this great place, this Italian restaurant across the street from my office, and they do this lunch deal that has clams. It's like 18 bucks for a big, huge thing of clams and herb fries. So good, dude. So good. I just like, I think I figured out that the reason I love Carousel the Musical so much is because they have a clam bake in it, and I just can't imagine life without a clam bake. I still haven't seen Carousel. Okay, well, there's a whole song about a clam bake. So Good to know. I'll add it to the list if it ever comes to New York. And the worst about watching shows unless they're like in person. That's fine. So. Um, how are you? I am also hot and sweaty. Um, but I've been really diving into my horror half and uh been diving into some new Marvel. Um Mm-hmm. I got really annoyed after I watched Man Thing last week, and it was the worst movie I've ever watched in my life. Fair enough. And so I was like, I gotta take a break. So I went and watched um, the What If season of Marvel okay. on Disney Plus, which is really nice. It's very enjoyable. Okay. Um, and then I just kind of dove into American Horror Story again. Like, I've watched the first season. I watched the third and fourth season. I watched pieces of the second season. So I just rewatched it. I was like, you know what? This is what I need this weekend. I need some good, some good horror. It's going to like tie me into the world. So I um, have been the least stressed I've been in a couple of weeks. I love that for you. Thanks to my horror. 
Um, but yeah, so I'm just, you know, chugging along, making it happen. Sorry. I'm enjoying what's life. left of my summer. I am praying summer's over every day. Every day, that's what I'm waiting for. I'd be okay with summer temperatures being over. Yes, I am. I go back to work when summer is over. Um, I just work all the time. And I don't make money when it's summer. So I'm ready for fall because then we'll probably have, like, customers again. Which means I'll make money again. And I will not be dying of a heat stroke every day of my yeah, life. Yeah, but then I have to teach so many children. Kids. And you love them. I know, but the whole first week of school is going to be like, please stop asking me questions about my boyfriend. That's very true. I can't wait to hear all about it. It's going to be so annoying. I'm going to laugh so much. I'm expecting like daily text updates about this. Are you kidding? I'm going to be sending you a Snapchat every fucking half hour. You like, stupid question number 877. I'm in. I'll keep track. Vaguely. To be fair, I don't care about them asking me stupid questions. I don't, I, I will kill the first person who says something to him. Because he'll be more uncomfortable than you will? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I'm very open. Like, my kids knew about my ex that I was dating. They would be, like, they would Snapchat him for me from my phone. Like, I'm, I don't care. But I do care about him. Right. And he does not need that in his life. No. And summer means ending means all of that. Look, just have a nice game night with me. I will bring out all the uncomfortableness that we need to and he'll be prepared for school. It'll be fine. He did have a game night with my uncle. Okay, but like I'm going to be nice and uncomfortable. So <laughs> I'm ready. Fair. I've been preparing for years. No idea. I'm so he has excited. No idea. He yes. has no idea. No, we'll do that. I can't wait. Everyone gonna have game night with you for like ages. I know. We gotta do it. Okay. Anyway, that just means you have to come here because it's easier to play games in person. Okay. Look, I have one day off a week. It is very hard for me to come all the way to Buffalo and back in one day. I know. Just take some time off. When? When I'm not in the wedding or in wedding events that I have to take off all of my time for. Oh, right. Yeah. Forgot. My time's gone. Ah, Rachel, why'd you have to go and get married? Right. I mean, we love Nick. So like, we do love Nick. So we're not mad but, about it, but like. Um, my mom is trying to bell my um birthday trip, which means I don't know. Maybe I'm taking a solo trip for my thirtieth birthday. We'll see. If your birthday wasn't in the middle of my school year, I, I would absolutely go with you for anywhere. I know. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. But whatever. Maybe I'll plan food before I go. Who knows? I can do whatever I want. I'll be 30. And I have two jobs. That's why I have two jobs. I can do whatever I want. Um, but yeah. So uh, that's kind of a fast recap of our lives because... Not a lot. Honestly, the last week has been so hot that I've spent every like waking moment either like dying, wishing I was dead, or finding somewhere that has air. Like, I literally went to Dan's house on Saturday 
and was like, I was like, when can I see you? And he was like, well, I'm free tonight. And I was like, cool. And he's like, what do you want to do? I was like, I literally don't care as long as there's air conditioning. Right. He was like, oh, okay. Do you want to just come over? I was like, yes, that's exactly what I'm asking. Like I was five seconds away from being like, I'm coming to your house because I need air conditioning. Yeah. I am. Um, I've been working or sleeping because I don't do well in the heat. So I just, mm-hmm. but I wake up like every hour because I'm not comfortably sleeping. I know I'm not sleeping well because you know, I don't have air conditioning in my bedroom. So like, I'm not sleeping well at all. So right. like I take five naps a day. Oh my gosh. It's what you have to do. It's what you gotta do. Um, sorry. I'm also eating dinner while we're doing this and I have no shame. What are you eating? Tikka masala. Oh, I love chicken masala. Mm. I have a great place called Spice Symphony two blocks over. That uh, best Indian food in the city, hands down. Um, and I've been to Queens and had Indian food. It's better over here. But uh, I do have a lot of notes for this week, so maybe we should just get into it. Let's do it. Let's All do right. it. So um. I kind of went off the rails again, how last week I took a quote from our first season for our spiritual affirmation. Yeah. So this week I looked up spiritual affirmations that related to what we were watching. It's not from the movie, but it's... I was going to say, because there's not really... Not a lot of happy moments, per se. Um, Life lessons. Um, But this week, um, we are sending love to everyone who is trying their best to heal from the things they do not discuss. Very nice. Just nice. I think it's yeah. nice. I think it goes with the film and there are a lot of people who don't talk about yeah. a lot of things. So yeah. I hope you're well. Whatever's ailing you, I hope it heals soon. So that's beautiful. Yeah. I thought so. So we're doing a horror film that is really more of a psychological thriller. Yes. I, uh, I remember when this film came out because I wanted to see it in theaters. I didn't, and I wish I did now. I, I literally planned to see it in theaters and then ran out of time. Yes. You remember when it, you remember last October, I was like, every day, all I could talk about was this movie. Me too, me too. I was like, I'm going to go see it, I'm going to go see it. But I was working like four or five days a week at the bar on top of working my five days at the office. And then my friend came in town and we went to um, was the movie that uh, Cruella was on Cruella instead? And mm. It was a whole thing, but I uh, guess yeah, so. It released October 29th, 2021, so not quite a year ago. Um, it was rated 7.1 out of 10, which feels very low. I that's understand that's so not low. that low of a rating, I guess, but it feels very low for this film. Mm-hmm. Um, the number one song, because we are not watching Bates, is Easy On Me by Adele. I so, do not know that song. You don't? I can't sing it because rights, but like after I'll sing it to you. Okay, I'll take a listen. I meant to listen earlier and I didn't, but uh, I am behind the times all the time on songs, so it makes sense that I didn't know. Um, the number one movie was Dune, which again... I'm not shocked. I didn't watch it because I didn't read the books. My background on my phone is a picture of me and Dan. The background on his phone is still the moon from Dune. <laughs> I'm I so bitter. That. I'm so bitter about it. 
I heard it's really great, though. I think my friend Zach went and saw it, like, three or four times. It's on the list of movies I have to watch with him. I mean, I have to watch it, too, but I, like, it's a, it's a series of books that I've heard are really good. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of want to read it first. I know it's going to take, like, an entire lifetime to read, though, because those are some thick books. Yeah. But, uh, I'm into it. Um, on this day, oh, nothing significant happened. You were all there. This was less than a year ago. I'm sure you had a great time. What day of the week was that? I think it was a Friday. Or a Monday. I've lost my phone. I don't know. It was a Friday. Um, I was at a... Nope, this was the night before. Zach came in town and we watched um, an 80s horror film. And the next night we went to an 80s dance party. Downtown. Oh, I remember that. Mm-hmm. What did I do? Um, I worked in the morning at school and it was the day that we um, wore Halloween costumes to school. So I was dressed like the Wicked Witch. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan was a tin man. We were not together at that time, but we wore group costumes. <laughs> it was was Halloween I had almost finished our 30 day 31 days of Halloween films that I watched last year which I will be doing again this year God willing I went to Walmart at 6 o'clock in the morning to buy a witch hat for my costume I'm looking at my Google Maps timeline (laughs) I went to Panera for lunch Google knows Oh, because we had a half day for the kids. So then I actually like took a long lunch and went to Panera for lunch. And then at five o'clock, I finally, no, 4.45, I left school, which is so early for me. And I went and got gas and then went home and did nothing. Well, I thrived. I love a Halloween weekend. I am not a dancer and I danced at this Halloween party until 4.30 in the morning. Because it was an 80s dance party. Insane. Ugh. Such a fun time. Um, yeah, so I don't have any fun facts from the day other than like typical daily what we did facts because yeah. it wasn't even a year ago. Figure it out. Um, the director of this movie was Edgar Wright. A lot of the people, not only who worked on the film, but were in the film are big names, so they have a lot going on, so this is going to take a minute. Buckle up. I love Edgar Wright movies. So Edgar Wright is known for Shaun of the Dead. That's his, like, numero uno film. Um, Baby Driver, which is newer and I haven't seen yet, but I've heard it's fun. So good, yeah. Um, The World's End, which I also don't know. But the one I do know the most... I know Shaun of the Dead, but, like, yeah. the one I know the most is Scott Pilgrim versus the World. And um, that's super fun. Super fun. So those are yeah. kind of things he's known for. Um, and fun fact about him, uh, Russell T. Davies offered him the role of the director for Doctor Who, the Rose episode from 2005, and he turned it down because he was working on Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. And, like... Not that Shaun of the Dead's not great, but that episode... No, I've, yeah, that episode was amazing, but Shaun of the Dead was why Edgar Wright has the career he has. Like, and, no, and, and to be fair, like, it would have been great for him, and Doctor Who is huge, but 
TV directing and movie directing aren't the same. Very and Edgar Wright is known and is who he is because of the success of Shaun of the Dead. And I also, I could not imagine the Rose episode going differently than it did. Right. So I think it, I think that all worked out in the end. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so he's a pretty big name. Pretty big Just name. Just like a little bit. Just a tad. Um, our writer. So he wrote the story and the screenplay. He was very much involved in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other, there were only two writers, him and Christy Wilson, who worked on the screenplay. And she was uh, Christy Wilson Cairns. She's known for the film 1917, which came out like two mm-hmm. years back. Mm-hmm. It was really well done. Yeah. Um, the directing in that film was amazing, but the writing was good too. Um, the Good Nurse, which I do not know what that is, but that's what she's known for. And a show that we've discussed doing on the podcast and have not yet, Penny Dreadful. Mm, okay. And you're going to see a lot of overlap in the main characters. And I mean, it's a it's a show out of London, out of the UK. Yeah. So like, they do reuse a lot of characters and a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, for example, I'm not going to go into bios for these guys, but Oliver and James Phelps had a cameo in, towards the beginning of the film mm-hmm. um, when we're in the nightclub, which is always fun for George yeah. Mason. Yes. Um, but yeah, they reuse a lot of people. So um, actually, yeah. I knew they were in this and I didn't catch them when I watched it. I very carefully did. I like had to go back and look for them because I didn't okay. notice it in passing. Right. I just back and look for them. Yeah. I didn't have time to rewatch things because yeah. I watched it this afternoon. Um, so now I'm going to tell you about the cast. Um, I'm telling you from least build to highest build. Okay. So Terrence Stamp played the silver-haired gentleman. He sure did. Sure did. He is known for Murder Mystery, which came out a couple years back. Mm-hmm. And he was in one episode of His Dark Materials, which is a book I read and have no idea what happened because I listened to an audiobook. You need to go back and, like, really read it. Mm-hmm. And he was also in... Miss Peregrine and Smallville. And fun fact, he was a voice on the video game Elder Scrolls 4, Oblivion. So uh, he's gotten around. Some fun facts about him. He turned down the lead role of Alfie and suggested Michael Caine, who went on to be nominated for an Oscar for that film because they were roommates before they were famous. I love that. So um, they don't talk now. But... (laughs) Michael Caine kind of blew him off after he got, like, hella famous. Oh, that makes me sad because yeah. I like to think of Michael Caine as being a good person, but... Right. Me too. That was kind of a bummer to learn. Um, his brother, fun fact tied into my life, is Christopher Stamp, who produced the albums Quadrophenia and Tommy, which are both the Who albums. Yeah. Which we don't have, and I don't have, we don't represent in the U.S., but we have out of the U.K. for my office, so... That's fine. So, maybe my, you know what? I'm going to skip my favorite one. We'll, we'll come to the last cycle back around. Okay. So, next up, we're going to talk about Matt Smith. Very well known. He plays Jack. Bless. Bless his heart. He is known for, naturally, Doctor Who. What else? The Crown, which I didn't get into, but I knew who was in it. Um, mm, Morbius, which again haven't watched yet, but it's on my list. Um, 
And very fun fact that I love, he played Patrick Bateman in American Psycho the Musical in London. Mm-hmm. He, no also, he also played Charles Manson. Yes, yes. I forgot about that. But I had no idea he was an American Psycho the Musical. And he smells really good. Have you met him? Oh, you yeah. met him at Comic Con. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Okay, so my fun fact about this, this is one of the things that I had to look up before I saw this. I don't actually judge people's heights based on numbers. Like, if they're people that I know in real life. And I've met him. And so in one scene, and Taylor Joy and he are dancing. And I go, she must be hella tall to be holding onto his shoulder that way. Because that is a tall, lanky man. Mm-hmm. She's only 5'8". That's only two yeah. inches taller than me. But she, fe- I was baffled watching them dance because he is tall. And, like, I don't think he's, like, extraordinarily tall, but he's thin and tall. So he feels very tall. But also she probably was wearing, like, heels in that scene. Probably, at least yeah. At minimum, so. Yeah. yeah. But that was, that was my, my weird note while watching it was, but he's so tall. <laughs> um, I do have some more fun facts about him. Please. How can you not? Course. Um, I feel like this is half the episode of me talking about the characters because they're all so phenomenal. Um, he was the youngest person to be cast as the doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a fun fact that I disagree with. His favorite band is Radiohead. Yeah, I don't appreciate that fact about him. Like, it's true. Fine, but they're not a favorite <laughs> by any means. I think Creep is way over. Um, he auditioned to play Watson on Sherlock, the one with Benedict Cumberbatch. Yes. And they told him he was too eccentric to play Watson, and had they not cast Benedict Cumberbatch, he would have been excellent to play Sherlock Holmes. Correct. He, he and Benedict would not have had the right energy. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Because they both had off-the-wall personalities. Yeah. So, for sure. Um, and... One of my favorite fun facts that I had no idea about, his agent is Wendy Padbury. Do you know who she is? I know I know that name. So she played Zoe Harriet, who was the second Doctor Who companion. Oh, I did know that. Yes, I did know that. Zoe, that's Zoe's agent. I think it's sad. What's that? But but yeah, so uh, she's his agent. I had no idea. I did know that. I thought that was super fun. I have not um, met her. Now we're going to go to Anya Taylor-Joy, who plays Sandy, young Sandy. Um, she's known for The Queen's Gambit, obviously. I haven't watched it. I am going to read the book first. I own the book. I'll read it one day. I watched, like, three episodes because my dad was watching it, and so not because I, like, chose to watch it. Right. But he only watched it because he loved this movie so much. I've heard it's really good, though. It is. Like, as a show. Oh, um yeah. She starred in The Witch, which I have heard amazing things about and is on my list for Halloween Heart, like Halloween 31 Nights of Halloween this year. Okay. Um, she was on The New Mutants, which I think I watched the first season and don't remember her being. That must have been one of the first things she was on. Um, she played, oh God, what's her name? The one who had the dragon on her arm all the time. Yep, yep. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I watched it like when it came out, but I only watched mm-hmm. the first season. I haven't watched it. Oh, okay. Um, she was on Peaky Blinders, which I knew, but I just haven't watched yet. Yeah. Um, and 
what I did not know, she plays the main role for the girl in Split. Yes. Yes. And like Shyamalan comes back around. Always. Always. She Uh, is to me the most beautiful. Like, I'm obsessed with her. She is stunning. She terrifies me. Like, I feel like if I spent too much time with her, my soul would leave my body. But she's so she beautiful. Has amazing bone structure. And she carries herself so well. And she's she's an incredible actress. Mm-hmm. Like, incredible. And, I mean, I haven't seen her in too many things because I haven't watched The Queen's Gambit yet or The Witch, which yeah. are two of her biggest roles. But everything I've seen her in, she's been incredible. I'm, um, I'm obsessed with her. And fun fact about her, the first film she watched, so she's from, she was born in Florida, but she lived in, Ar- she's from Argentina, so she has a three-way um, citizenship. Yeah. Um, because she was in Florida, then Argentina, and then oh. London. And when she moved to London, the first film she watched in cinema was Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Which, is which just makes me feel old. Elderly. Yes. Yeah. You have never felt older. Um, that's exactly what I thought when I read that. I was like, okay, <laughs> that's fine. Um, but also that doesn't necessarily say when, how old she was when she moved there. So like, it could be just that she was like 40. Like, you know what I mean? Like saying that that's right. the first movie that she watched when she moved there. Um, she I could think date when she moved to London, it said. Right. So old, but. Um, Although, to be fair, I was only 11 when that movie came out, so I'm not that much older than her. Not when the Chamber of Secrets came out. That's when the book, the first book came out when you were 11. Yeah, we grew up with Harry Potter. No, 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 I know, but I didn't... The first movie came out in 2001 when I was 9, which means that the second movie came out in 2003 when I was 11. Are you sure? I'm 100% sure. Because I didn't start reading the books until the first movie came out. Harry Potter. I'm double checking you. I believe you, but I'm also double checking you. 2002. Sorry, so it was 10. Yeah. You were 10. Oh, yep. For November 2002. Came out later. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, no, no, no. The first movie definitely came out in 2001 because that's when I started reading the books. Yeah. But um, yes, the second movie came out. I thought it was two years apart, but I guess it was only one. So, Um, yeah. yeah. So So I'm not, I'm literally a year older than her. No. She's married now, so she's, like, old enough to be married. I mean, um, okay. I, I know people who are married then, like, 19, so, like, that's not even... Look, but I, she's I, not from, like, the real South. Like, she was born in Florida, but she's not from the South. So, like, the fact that she's married I means she's not 19. So, you know. Um, that, was, that was so racist against yourself. I'm... Racist? I think it's a culturist? Is that a yeah, thing? I guess. I, there's not a good word for it. No. The South. Ugh. Um, and our main character was Thomas and McKenzie, who played Ellie. I did not know that I knew her. <laughs> but uh, she's known for Leave No Trace, which I've never seen. Mm-hmm. But she's also known for Jojo Rabbit, which is an incredible oh, I love film. It. Yeah. By Take Watiti. Mm-hmm. absolutely adored that film and old ma old i wrote old oh it's just old it's just old. i i went to the next sentence. um that new film by m night Shyamalan, which was fun okay. not my favorite that. of this but i have seen it okay so, like 
I definitely knew her and didn't realize it. Um, she was really good. I was surprised because she, she she seemed like the least well-known in the movie to definitely. me. And I think she is the least well-known, but she's still done some bigger stuff. Mm-hmm. But her entire family has been involved in film, um, but they haven't been involved in, like, well-known stuff. But, like, her, okay. both of her siblings are in film. Her aunt and uncle have been in film. They're the Harcourts. Um, her parents have both been in film. Her mom is a, a film coach or okay. a performance coach. So she was a performance coach. She's Miranda Harcourt for um, Nine Perfect Strangers and Dr. Death. So she's like worked on some Harcourts. Stuff. I know the Harcourts. Um, not the literary Harcourts. They're a different family. Okay. Um, but above and beyond, most of her family is involved in films. So you'd probably like vaguely recognize them because I did. Um, okay. And last, but certainly not least, I would like to talk about Dame Diana Rigg, who plays Miss Collins. I love Ugh. Wait, who played the, the boy? Um, his name was like Joe Arlo or Arlo Joe or something, but this is like the only okay. thing he's done. He's oh, lovely. Okay. His name's John. I was going to say, I could have, I could have sworn that he was look, like looked familiar to me, but if he doesn't have a lot of credit, he doesn't even have a picture on his IMDb. Oh, okay. I know. Bless him. I thought he did great. I loved him dearly, and I will mention that multiple times throughout my notes. But he didn't have anything notable on his IMDb, so I've not mentioned him in the cast. Oh, okay. I know. So, um, this was Dame Diana Rigg. She played Miss Collins. Her last film, she died in September 10th of 2020. So she didn't actually get to see the film come to fruition. Um, But she's had an incredible film career. She is known for Game of Thrones, which I have not seen. Uh, She's she's one of the best parts of that show. Like, And I I love that show. You know I love that show. She's phenomenal. She plays Miss Gillyflower on the Crimson Horror in Doctor Who. Yes, she sure does. Saw her and Matt Smith overlap. Um, she plays uh, Miss Danvers in the 1997 Rebecca, um, which I know is one of your favorites. Mm-hmm. She originated the role of Emma Peel in the Avengers 1965. And that is Probably her most well-known role. Yes. Um, she has done every Shakespeare play I think that's ever been around. Correct. All she of is. them. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I'm telling you, this woman is incredible. Oh, so, yeah. because of that, I have five fun facts about her. Because oh. she's just, we I mean, this is going to be the last film we discuss her in if we keep going forward because it's our last film. So, she deserves... Um, also sort of an overlap with um matt smith she was in the television um, miniseries victoria about queen victoria where uh, um jenna coleman jenna coleman played queen victoria but that was such a small role for her i mean it was i know but it was a big show but it was so small for her but yeah she did overlap with jenna coleman in that no she's Um, been quite literally everything um she was the first major actor, along with Keith Michael, I think it's Michael, um, Mitchell, Keith, Keith Mitchell, 
to appear nude on stage, like in a theater show. She was in Avalon and Heloise. Abelard. Yeah. I don't know the show. And Heloise in 1970. Um, she is the only dame to have acted in Doctor Who. Yep. Is that true? It is true. Oh. Um, her favorite film she ever did was Theater of Blood, which was in 1973, and I now have to go watch that because I've never seen it. Um, she was born the exact same date as Natalie Wood. And so if you think about, like... How young Natalie Wood died. How young that- Natalie Wood died and how far um, Diana Rigg went. And you can imagine how far Natalie Wood would have gone. Yeah. Um, it's wild it's and tragic. Crazy. Also, um, when, you, when you talked about the things that she's known for, you missed one very important thing. Yes. She's a Bond girl. That's my next note. Oh, sorry. Calm down. Okay. She is the only Bond girl to get him to the altar in a movie. In On Her Majesty's Secret Service, she is Countess Tessa, the wife of James Bond. Yeah. So, uh, she's incredible. She's uh, done a lot. She said one of her, like, favorite, like, one of the quotes she had was, like, I'm never going to retire because who would want that? And she didn't. She worked. She didn't. She and she and actually like she was diagnosed with cancer in March and died in October or September. So that's a really she and she worked up until she was diagnosed. And I mean, even I mean, even this is her last film. She was incredible. Right. And March of 2020 was COVID. So like she literally worked up until she couldn't. Yeah. She literally worked until she died. Like, insane. She is who I aspire to be. Her and Judy Bell, who used to work at our office, who I loved. Um, Also, um, this won't mean anything to you in general, um, because you don't know Game of Thrones, but it will help you just to understand a little bit about her character. Her character's nickname, not her actual name, but her nickname on the show, like what the other characters called her, was the Queen of Thorns. like that just that's the kind of person she was and i was like that is diana rig i mean she is truly iconic i mean we talk about icons a lot we talked about um what was her name that passed away last week from star trek oh nichelle nichols yeah we talked about nichelle nichols and she's i mean not to discredit her at all we've talked about icons but like she's literally the first nude female in theater mm-hmm. literally she was emma pill in the avengers the originals she has done like she's not at all and she's a dame on top of that like but speaking of icons there is one thing that we didn't address in the podcast mm-hmm. that um because last week we decided to talk about everybody and their mother who died mm-hmm. um today we did in fact lose an icon and um who shaped both mine and MK's life immensely. Yeah. So um, unfortunately, since speaking of cancer being the thing that kills the icon, um, Olivia Newton-John passed away today. And it was, uh, 
I don't know. It was very unexpected. I mean, I know she's had cancer for ages. She's 73, I mean, but she's, she's 73. And to be fair, this particular bout of cancer, which is not her first, she's been fighting for five years. It's breast cancer, which is always like, and it's black breast cancer that metastasized to her back, mm-hmm. which is, I am heartbroken. I am devastated, but I'm also so very glad that she's not fighting anymore because she fought in a way that like she was so public with her fight and so um in like never going to let cancer be what brought her down and in the last two years she's canceled so many tours so many interviews so much press she just like wasn't able to keep up with it anymore and so I'm glad that she is at peace but and I but it is definitely I mean, like such a strong woman of the I mean 80s and and forward like no. I mean let's get physical I mean like, and and geez. think if you think about it Greece was groundbreaking for and this is so weird and so stupid that this is the world we live in but Greece was groundbreaking because she was older than John Travolta yeah and the fact that the female ingenue was older than the male actor is not like even now it's so rare she was older and her character was so by the end self like self independent and stuff Mm -hmm. and like and like say what you will about like whether sandy makes the right decision in greece to be sluttier for the guy like whatever she she did it for herself and like in that the thing about the lyrics to you better shave up like she was like i'm not you get it together because this is what you're saying no to right and uh oh my gosh she's yeah so incredible like yeah and we were talking before we started recording about um greece was the first musical i ever saw live on stage ever of any kind of professional show um obviously not with her in it Right. Um, um, Grace was the first DVD I owned that was like mine and um, it's a lot of why I went into theater and um, so uh, Olivia Newton-John and Stocker Channing are basically the people that I owe my career to so I um, I didn't see it live ever but it was um a show I used to whenever I was little we'd go to my my dad's friends and I watched it every time for hours on end over there because he had the DVD and it was just like the one thing that I always connected to and I yeah. always loved it and I've I played the music when I was in orchestra in high school like it's just it I mean it transcends the yeah the decades I mean when like, I saw it actually Frankie Avalon who was oh. the teen angel in the movie he was on tour I saw him play the teen angel live mm-hmm. That was the first time I ever lusted over a man who could have been my grandpa. <laughs> but it's Frankie Avalon, I mean. Right? Come on. But no, you know it's weird. My grandma and I saw it together and we both were like, oh, oh Frankie yeah. Avalon. Yeah. You know, it happens sometimes. Yeah. It happens sometimes. So, uh, yeah, we don't. We just don't want to forget Olivia Newton-John. And uh, this is the, the best we can do for her because we don't have a lot of Standing. Cheers. And on to less, not even, I was going to say, and on to happier times, but not really. 
No, on to different times. <laughs> Before and after Olivia Newton-John. Um, we watched for a horror film. It wasn't real horror. Um, Last Night in Soho. It was incredible. Do not it was get incredible. I wanted it to be more horror. I thought it was going to be a little different. I loved it nonetheless. But yeah. I, it wasn't quite what I expected. Now, I feel like because this podcast is already going to be incredibly long, do you want right. to go through it point by point? Because I don't know that that's the most efficient way to do this. I don't think it is. I think maybe hitting, because we've been recording for like half hour, 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, I think hitting the like relative points of notoriety, I guess. Like there's certain yeah. means that like reference other pop culture. Moments. Oh yeah. No, I mean like going through like individual moments, but like, I don't think we need to go scene by scene and talk about the whole plot of the show. Absolutely. Movie. I absolutely yeah. agree. Um, um, I will say in terms of like the plot though, um, other than the fact that there was a ghost in the mirror for the first like 35 minutes, I was like, did I judge this movie incredibly incorrectly? I literally have the same note. I was like, maybe I was like, my dad said it was like, cause my dad watched it. We had, neither of us had seen it before we decided to do this, but my dad had seen it. And he was like, no, it was like, I knew it was going to be more thriller than horror because he liked it. And he does not do horror horror. But I was like, did I fuck this up? Like, what? It's good, but I don't think it's what I think it is. And then it all just happened so fast. And I was like, what? That's what I was talking. So me and my aunt watched it together. And she was like, halfway through, she was like, this is not what I thought this movie was about. But it is so good. And I would recommend it to everyone I know. Mm -hmm. I was like, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It might Um, not have been where I thought it was going at all. But I loved it. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to start at the beginning and run through some of the big scenes. So, um, I do want to notate the very first scene. So the whole, the whole film, she's, um, going to fashion school. And so we're obviously going to have some iconic fashion moments and the very first scene, I mean, we get, uh, Julian Galliano, we get the newspaper dress, the Carrie Bradshaw wore, I mean, yeah. It's iconic. Yes. And it is what it is. And then we see the ghost and we realize there are mental health issues in our family. Mm-hmm. I think there are still questions left unanswered at the end. Um, <laughs> Me too. But I think the plot moved along that you didn't notice it until you thought about it later. Um, which is good. It's important. Um, so she... Goes over, co- goes over into London from Cornwall and starts her journey as um, a fashion student, realizes she absolutely hates her roommates and moves into this old house on yeah. Gooch Street. Something like I, that. I did not write down the street name, which makes no sense because it was mentioned multiple times. Yeah, but I didn't have the subtitles on, so I don't know what they said. Oh, I did. I did. I think it was me weird. me not having subtitles on is weird but i forgot to turn weird. them on um yeah so she moves into this really old-fashioned house and this is i mean the story itself is fine but like this is one of the first times i was like 
I love the visuals that are used in this film because the use of color and the use of like filters, it felt like, which kind of connects us a little bit to Bates Motel. It was kind of a Mm, modern prequel. It felt like almost, I mean, it had the sixties vibes and everything she did, but then of course she had cell phones. She was in, you know, modern day London. Yeah. And, um, so I really liked visually how everything I will say I didn't take a lot of notes because I was just trying to watch the movie and like understand what was going on because sometimes with thrillers it's hard you gotta like pay attention mm-hmm. but the one of the few notes that I actually took was that in the first night in the apartment the first time she goes into this weird 60s, 60s I still don't know if it's a dream or a vision like I still have questions on how the actual like mechanics of it worked but the scenes when it flips between her and Anya and the the staircase with the mirror I was drooling it was the cinematography in this film is fucking incredible you could have given us the worst storyline and the visuals still I would have I would have loved it I would have I would have watched it a million times just for the camera work it was fucking stunning thankfully we also had a good storyline but it was i mean it and it's one of those things like you there's talk a lot in the like film and literature world of like there's only so many stories everything's been done so everything's a twist on something else and this i this so i genuinely i'm pretty good with thrillers like, I'm that person who I'm 100% sure I'm correct on the ending of Inception. I figured Shutter Island out before the story got told to us. As lame as it is, I watched the first episode of The Outer Banks, and within the first three minutes, I knew who the killer was. Like, actually, like, I, I'm not, I'm decently good at figuring those things out. I was shocked for a I, good half of this movie see and that's how i was because i mean as a writer you try to think it through of like different techniques writers use to confuse you or throw you mm-hmm. off and i i mean same for me like i mean i know you have it from the film perspective and i have it from the writing perspective and like we were we were both shocked like i mean there were there was one big thing i i'm figured out before the end which i'll mention in, in a bit okay. but like for the most part I didn't figure it out. I, I had no idea. No. I will tell Even you. Even when I thought I did. I thought I did. I have a note that said that the old man was Matt Smith. I and didn't. Then, and then. Like the a third time, of the way through. Mine was the first time I saw the old man. I was like, the first time I saw the old man, I was like, I bet you that that's where this is going. And then I was so sure that I was like, I even said out loud, my mom was in the room. I was like, oh my God, I was correct. And because then, of the camera work on that one scene. And then. I was not correct. I know because, and they did that so well and not telling you, but also making you think you were right because you show up in the beginning. And if you have a logical brain, like, like if you use your, like, like me and you would, we would deduce that like, Oh, this is Jack. Not everyone's going to figure it out, but we figured it out. Like, this is how it is. And then later she's like, I know that this was Jack. It's like, okay, that feels right. And then they had that, amazing visual scene where she's coming down the street and mm-hmm. she passes the silver haired man 
and the faces transition from Jack and the silver haired man. And I was like, nailed it. hundred percent. I was like, I was so right. I had no idea. But that's the thing is we thought we were right because it was what she was seeing because everything was what she was seeing. And then the question is what was even real? What? I think it was all real. I think she was seeing memories. I think she was seeing memories, but because of the way her gift works or curse, whatever you want to decide, I think that it transports her into the memories, but I think they were all memories. I don't know that I think that's true. I, I think that I want, I truly wonder how much of the entire, the entire story, because like, what? Like, I don't know. I just feel like all of it could have been fake. All of it could have just been a delusion. So I think, I do think everything is real. I think it was flashbacks of memories. Um, and I think that's the way that the ending happened like it did. Because nothing contradicted itself. The no. setup looked like it did. But when you see the end result... So, for example, we have the one scene that really set me off to think, oh, maybe I have this all wrong, was we see the men coming into the rooms and, you know, doing what they're doing and all these bad things happening to Sandy. And I was like, okay, it's just terrible. When the, whenever the blood hits her face in that nightmare scene on Halloween night. Yeah. My first thought was, like, I wrote down my first thought was, is that her blood or is his blood on her? And. Oh, no, no, no. I don't. I, that part, I, th- I don't think. It's less about thinking that what happened to Sandy wasn't. I don't know. I don't know that, like, Mrs. Collins was ever even, like, a real. Like, that whole thing, like, the whole idea of Sandy, I think the whole thing could have been, like, a schizophrenic delusion. Oh, no. I think that's who she was before she changed her identity. I think that's why the white-haired man was still around, because he knew what happened. And that's why he said, because in towards the end, he said, Alex made her own hell. Tell her um, something. What did he say? Tell her I'll see her in hell or tell her I'll see her. That she made her own hell or something. Yeah, no, no, no. That, that, I mean, I don't know. I just, I feel like my thing is I think all of it was in Allie's head. Mm. I don't think, I don't know that any of that story ever even existed because of the way she had her weird confidence with the mirror back at the end. I don't know. I felt like it, like, opened me up to so many. So the mirror at the very end is very, like, it's a very solid thought. Um. My only thing is the fact that Miss Collins reacted so much that it's like, oh, someone found out my secret and knows who I am, first of all, other than the silver-haired man. But and did, Well, my question is, did that, did that reaction even ever happen? Oh, I think so. Okay. I think so, because I think, I think the visual at the end, which was meant to be something to throw you off for sure mm-hmm. when we see Anya Joy uh, Taylor at the very end in the mirror um, I think it was like 
just because she's dead, her memory's still there. Like, she's never going to leave her. And, I mean, because she uses, I mean, Ellie uses her likeness to create her entire, like, yeah. fashion show. Yeah. And so I think at some point, Anya Joy Taylor became a part of Ellie. Anya Taylor She Joy. picked up those memories and became a new person. What'd yeah. you say? No, it's, just, it's Anya Taylor Joy, not Joy Anya Taylor. Anya Taylor Joy. I got her. <laughs> My bad. My bad. <laughs> But yeah, so no. I think that's what happened and that's why she's still there is because like a part of that memory attached itself to Ellie and right. Miss Collins had let it go because she had buried all of these bodies. See, I, and, and I, and I think that though, that is probably, probably the real, the correct interpretation, but I don't know. It had me all kinds of fucked up. No, I absolutely understand the like, because for, I mean, truly for the longest time, I was like, what is happening? I was like, is this a memory she's having? Those were different thoughts I had. I was like, is this a memory she's having? Is this, and at first I thought, based on the previews I saw for the film, I thought that um, Anya Taylor-Joy was going to take over Ellie's life. So did I. And come back to the future. And so she was going to start back in this really like terrible 60s life and she was going to switch places with Emily. Well, and, and I, I was, but also I was so confused because like it was, there was little pieces of it that really messed me up because all of it was very much like visions and dreams and things that weren't really there. There were just things that she could see and nobody else could see them and whatever, except scenes the first time she switched and the scenes with um sandy and jack and then the like having the hickey on her neck and everything and i was i'm i still don't know how that like i still don't know no i definitely agree i still don't know how that played out and that's why like throughout the entire film literally until the end and maybe and maybe that's how it's meant to be maybe sandy was taking over her body the whole time and we didn't know and that's why she showed up in the mirror in the end and ellie didn't because in the end, she won out and she did take over her life. I mean, I think that's very possible. It is. Ooh, I yeah. So, I mean, that's the. Because I, you know, I think that might actually be more, more likely than just being the memories. I think it may have been every piece. She, like, took on a piece of Sandy. And by the end, Sandy had kind of taken over her body and taken over her life. And that's why right. I don't I mean know. she had these reactions and she felt everything Sandy felt. And and because I mean in the end, we don't know that those souls got released. That was the whole point. They came back to get released by getting Miss Collins killed. But if Sandy had already transferred into Ellie's body or had already right. taken over her life, then those souls still aren't free. And we don't know if they are or not. We didn't see a resolution. Yeah, no. Um, sorry, I was just gonna like look things up and see if anybody could like tell me information that I um don't have. Um, but I will say I found out who the cinematographer is for this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His name is Chung Chung Hoon. Mm-hmm. He's South Korean. Oh, that's why it's so good. He did um he did Old Boy. I don't know. Which that one. Old Boy was um, one of um, Park Chan Wook's like big movies, one of the few South Korean movies that like made it really big here. Yeah. 
Um, he did um, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Okay. I haven't seen that, but I know about that one. He did it. Um, because uh, the girl who plays um, our sweet baby angel on Bates yes. is in Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. He did it. The new one? Like the Bill Skarsgård one? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, and he did, and he did the entire Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Which I still haven't seen. Which, okay, this is not, I won't tell you how the scene works or anything about it, but there is a moment in Obi-Wan that is without a doubt, I, the best visual moment in any Star Wars franchise anywhere ever. I literally sat through the whole scene like this, like, because I could not believe that it was happening, like, to the point where I've already seen people have tattoos of this moment, this singular image. Wow. Because I might be obsessed with this man. Hmm. No, I mean, I think, I know we don't get, I, I know your family is really into, like, Korean dramas, and I know mm-hmm. I like Korean horror a lot. Yeah. But, like, we don't get a lot of that over here other than Parasite was Korean, right? Yes. So that's like the only thing we've had lately that's really been a yeah. big Korean film other than was Squid Game was Korean, yeah? Yes. Yeah, so like those are the two big hits we've had. But if you go back and watch any Korean filmmakers, like I don't know how. They're incredible. They're incredible. so much better. So much more talented. Like that is some of the best filmmaking production camera work Mm -hmm. i've ever seen storytelling the korean writers are amazing and so like that makes sense why the cinematography was so good because it was someone who's got the talent behind oh god um i mean between edgar wright and chin chung hoon i yeah i mean there was no chance this movie was going to be terrible i mean we had good writers we had good directors and good cinematography so yeah. no, it is. We don't even have words. And um, but I, I really was just googling to see if somebody had like Reddit posted the about theory. the yeah. theory because I don't know even where yeah. to go because I think that I'm just I'm baffled. No, it's uh, it's a lot, and they like they bring you, they drag you through so many different theories. You have no idea. And I do think, for the most part, we got it at the end. And I mm-hmm. did, I did think it was memories. But now thinking about the fact that Anya Taylor Joy was still in the mar- marathon, right? If you reconsider that, that actually may have been more likely that she took over that life. But that's also why I'm like, I don't know. I almost feel like it's almost. I'm trying to think what I'm thinking of, where. I don't know. I'm thinking of a specific idea of like a story where oh, you know what I'm fucking thinking of? Um, I think I'm thinking of fucking hide and seek. I mean... Where they have split personality? Yeah, but no, where, but where, like, what is it? Well, I'm trying to think of, like, it's an ending of a movie. Maybe it's, but it's an ending of a movie where you think that the character is back in the correct mindset, but then they're not. 
No, that's hide and seek where she draws the double image. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, but um, that's yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Like, that's why I feel like maybe she's like, no, like everything's back normal, but LOLJK. Like, see, I wonder it's really not. I wonder if it's more of a pull between because we do see her mom a lot, and we don't know anything about her mom. I wonder if it's a pull between her mom trying to keep her sane and Anya Taylor Joy trying to take over her life, and we don't know who won out in the end because we saw both her mom and Sandy in the mirror before the end. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I also um, want to discuss the musical choice in, in the show. I mean, I absolutely Please. loved that they played, I mean, they did 60s throughout the entire thing. I mean, they had so many, they had like, what, like three or four Silla Black songs. Um it was incredible. We had a song in the show. I think it was the, I think it was the Who song, but it was just out of the UK. Mm, okay. um, we, didn't, we didn't represent it out of the US, but we represented it out of the UK. Right. Because um, there was a Who song in there and it was just like very, I mean, stereotypical to, to say the least uh, of 60s music just played throughout. And it, it really kept you in the right mindset because every time we were dragged back to the 60s, it didn't feel out of place. Yeah. Even when it felt sudden because it was meant to, it was, it, you just knew it was meant to feel sudden, but it didn't feel like out of place ever. Um, but yeah, I, um, I thought um, it was incredible. I, I love the music. I loved the music. I loved Anya's version of downtown. Oh my God. Incredible. 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 And that's what they used in the trailers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, oh yeah. It like fucks me all the way up. Yeah. Um, also, it's so also speaking of like Anya, I feel like um, Sandy in the first flashback nightmare is who I want to be when I grow up mm-hmm. like that like very when, confident very yeah. talented when he said that what's the least that's the least I can do and she said what's the most I was like I will be saying oh. that I will be saying that forever for ever yes I have I wrote that down I was like this is my new one forever now yeah anytime I mean, I have a boyfriend, so, like, mostly when he, but anytime a man ever says it's the least I can do, what's the most? Every time. Oh, incredible line. Like, and I was like, that was another thing is you get, you're used to so many cliche moments that when you get something that it's like, oh my gosh, this could be cliche, but it's never been used before. It's like, how have we never gone in this direction? You know, like, they had so many good one-liners whenever she was talking about, um, she was like, I saw Sandy yeah. die in that room. And she's like, oh, she died a hundred deaths in that room. And it's like so eerie and haunting. Yeah. And it's like, it's so heartbreaking because you know, like what she means, but it's just, I thought the writing yeah. was incredible in this movie. I, hold on, I found a Newsweek article about a twist. Oh, oh just kidding. It took me to a 500 error and I can't click on it. Rude. <laughs> no one knows what's going on. Um, yeah, I um, I think 
is not not extremely low. Extremely low. I think it should have been over nine stars or nine points or however they rate it. Um, I I think I wonder if the reason it was rated low is because it was promoted as a horror film when it was more psychological thriller. I think that's fair. But it's also, like, certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, critic reviews are not bad. Right, right. No, it's, uh... I mean, it's got really good reviews elsewhere. So, yeah. like, it's it's not bad, but... but I like I to, I'm just gonna... I wanna look at some of the Rotten reviews just, um... Sure. To see what people's thoughts... Like, what the people who didn't like didn't like about it. Yeah. Um... This one says, I've lost my phone again. Um, Last Night in Soho is exactly the kind of movie you want to be watching, right up to the point where you don't. We follow Ellie, a young girl obsessed with the swinging 60s, as she attempts to move from her small town to London to attend a fashion design program. Quickly, she finds herself not only sucked into some strange dreams where she's living the life of Sandy, but slowly finds herself being subsumed by both the glamour and nostalgia of the city she once idolized. It's all promise and pizzazz. We know Ellie is sensitive to see ghosts like that of her mother, the era she's inspired by has endless facets, blah, blah, blah. Wright's penchant for intricate set pieces and grabby visuals seems tailor-made for a project like this. And indeed, Soho snakes its story around those pillars until it's finally choking out Ellie's dreams as she once knew them. And unfortunately, it takes the story with it. I'm not going to spoil things for those who want an easy watch or an easy bad watch in the future, but I, but suffice it to say the third act ends up swallowing the substance of the film whole, wrecking any semblance of theme, message, or story in favor of pure flash. I don't think that that's true at all. I don't think so either. I'm looking at um, IMDb reviews, and a lot of them are like, are saying the writing's really bad. They're saying it didn't live up in the second half. And I'm like, the second half was way more intense than the first half. Agreed. And like, while it may or may not have had a solid ending, I don't think it was meant to. Like, I don't think it was. I think the fact that we're questioning why Anya Hiller Joy showed up in the picture in the mirror in the end, and what was real and what wasn't, and how she visualizes everything was meant to be. And I think, again, I think this leans itself to the fact that it's promoted as a horror not a psychological thriller mm-hmm. i think if it was promoted as a psychological thriller we wouldn't have had these same comments because that's what you expect you expect to have to think about it you expect not to have a clear-cut ending for a psychological thriller whereas horror everyone dies at the end you know like yeah um this one there's a website called mediaversity where they use like diversity in media to review this um and they gave it a d rating um, technical two out of five points possible. Just when you think you've seen every iteration of small town girl moves to the big city in pursuit of her dreams, last night Soho struts into theaters with a psychological twist to the formula. And the newest film of Edgar Wright, Thomas and Mackenzie plays Joe White Ellie, an aspiring designer. Unfortunately, Ellie's blah, blah, blah. This is the plot. Wright has made a name for himself with his stylish cinematography, and Last Night in Soho does not disappoint in that regard. Creative mirror shots that connect Ellie and Sandy during dream sequences are particularly entrancing to watch. Aside from the visual flair, Mackenzie and Taylor Joy are the best part of the film, embodying their characters to perfection. 
but there's no real substance here, largely due to a messy screenplay that manages to be simultaneously confounding and predictable. Imagery is prioritized over story, as if right left Christy Wilson Carnes not but set pieces, between which she had to connect the dots and build an internal logic from thin air. If you end the movie scratching your head in confusion about what you just watched, you're not alone. I mean, I think, again, I think that it's people that are taking it to face value. Mm -hmm. And like, and I know, like, based on things we like, we're both really big fans of like a Shyamalan twist. Yes. And I think this movie is, I guess, rare. Um, Right. I think this goes along a similar line where we get, I guess, I don't know if outlandish is the word, but like out of the box twist that we weren't expecting. I mean, who expected the uh, one night guy who she thought was a cop to come out of the ambient silver haired guy? Like, not me. No. But I thought it lent to the narrative more than took away from it. Yeah. And I think um, a lot of other people are not as, they want something substantial to come out at the end and they want answers. And this isn't the type of movie that gives you that. Yeah. I, I okay, I, are, I hate this review already. Sorry, because I'm continuing to read what it says next because then it gave it 3.5 out of 5 for gender diversity because it does pass the Bechtel test. But they they go on to talk about how a lot of the female characters feel two-dimensional, which, to be fair, some of them do. But, but I, I, think that's a, I think that's meant to be that way. But I think, yeah, but I also think that you can't have every secondary character not be, like, secondary characters are two-dimensional by nature. Like, that's just... Right. And I also think that, like, if you're looking at the characters on a spectrum, I mean, you have Ellie and Sandy who are fully developed i don't yeah. think they're lacking no. and then you have someone like hurricane jacosta who is a two-dimensional character but, but on purpose exactly like yeah she's meant to be the villain almost without being right. like right unimportant villain i guess because obviously we have the men and everything are meant to be more villainous than her but she's kind of like the unanticipated villain yeah and um the reason i get angry is because then it goes on to talk about how um it is degrading in its depiction of sex workers and like talking about women being forced into sex work against their will and how that's not the majority of sex workers and i fully agree with that but that's not what this is this is a very, very true thing that happened to young women in the club scenes in the 60s, where in order to make it big and to have anything, they were used and abused by the men in, in pow- positions of power. You can't say that showing that a woman fought back against that and like the height of the Me Too movement is also degrading to sex workers because it's two different stories. Very different. And like, I think if you look at it in today's lens, Sure, there are a lot of sex workers that choose to be sex workers because they set their boundaries. They set. But she wasn't. But she wasn't choosing to be a sex worker. She was choosing to be a singer and being forced to have sex with men without her will in order to get somewhere in her career. And that is a true thing that happens. That is what we're literally trying to fight against in the media. I think you're looking at the wrong. Like I think these people are looking at the wrong era. Like if you're looking at sixty years ago, 
It is not that way. People did mm-hmm. not choose to be sex. I mean, some did choose to be sex workers, but but there's also not a vast majority, also, especially in also, entertainment. Right, but also the difference between being like a uh, a prostitute or a porn star as a choice and being a club girl who is literally sleeping with men in order to still have a gig at the club. That is not the same thing. No, to get roles in movies, to get a spot on the, like once a week. Like how are, how are we going to say that Harvey Weinstein's a bad person and then demonize a depiction of a woman being stuck in that situation? No, absolutely not. This is, I mean, if anything, it's highlighting how bad it was. Like it's not. Thank you. Yeah. Like if you're taking it to that level and I don't think, I don't think that's the extreme this movie is trying to portray specifically. I'm sure it does want to notate that it wants to highlight some of the bad things in the entertainment industry in the past. But I, I think that, you know, the supernatural, the dreams, I think all of the psychological aspects are also. Right. Important. And so no matter what way you look at it, I don't think that it degrades. No, at all. no. So I think that was a, I will, I will give them this, this particular woman who wrote this review, I will give her that. I don't think that it, um, fairly tackles mental illness. Absolutely. Because I think the fact that her mom committed suicide and then she has these visions and then we don't address that there might be any kind of, which is why I had the feeling that it could be like a schizophrenic break and none of this was supernatural and it was all in her head because we didn't fairly address that. If that's your complaint, fine, because I think that that's a valid complaint, but don't turn it on to the depiction of sex workers because there were no sex workers in this movie. No. That is not, that's not the point. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I absolutely think it's fair to attack the way that they address mental health. Yeah. Because it started out with like the idea that they wanted to address it well, and then they just didn't. And I think that if you then, if you then, if you want it to be a movie about mental illness and we look at the theory in the light that what I was saying, it's a really interesting thing, but I think then then it's too similar to something like Split. Which she was also in, which makes it harder to separate because you're using the same lead actor. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, I don't, so, so I, do, I don't know, but I don't know if we're going in like a split direction or if we're going in like, um, oh, I know what I'm picturing and I can't tell you. I figured out exactly the scene that I'm thinking of that is the answer to what I think happened in this show but i can't tell you because it's a show that i know you haven't watched yet it's a tv show that i know you haven't watched yet <sighs> but no i know everyone that. read mk's mind right now yeah um, um it's a show that i've talked about wanting to do on the podcast um but in it, the scene yes that's the answer that's anyone who knows the show i'm talking about um that involves um another world and a mirror and an ending and if you know what I'm talking about, that is enough for you to know what I'm talking about. Um, that's what I think happened in this movie. Very vague. Excellent. So Excellent. vague, but also so incredibly specific to anyone who actually has the information I'm talking about. Yeah. I, um, I want to read this one review that's four out of 10 based on the idea of what I was just saying, where I think if it would have been promoted as a um, thriller as opposed to horror, it would have had better reviews. Okay. Their review says neither scary nor compelling. 
The Shining, Alien, Train to Busan. Those are truly scary movies. Yes. Yes. Horror films is the true sense of the genre. Last Night in Soho is part comedy, which I don't know if that's quite right. I don't think that's quite right at all. Um, what What is funny? I don't know. I'm not sure. I, don't, I didn't laugh. Simple, which, okay, I can get part mystery, theater, and part sci-fi. Yes. Fair. Okay. I can Fine. find the rest of that. The idea is terrible and the script is a muddle mess. Absolutely not. No. The acting was decent and the visuals were good. I give Edgar Wright credit for attempting something quasi-original, but in the end it leaves you simply wanting to hum 60s tunes and not much else. And I think they went too hard into the horror genre. And that's why the review is the way it is. I think, I just think marketing, and it's, it's a huge tool for both books and films. Yeah. If you market it wrong, mm-hmm. it's going to be reactive. Agreed. But I will, I will just argue that it did not make me want to hum um, 60s tunes only. I did want to hum 60 t- 60s tunes. I did also want to have a Mad Men-esque wild romp against a desk in a back room with Matt Smith. So like, yeah. So like I, towards the beginning, wanted Jack to punch someone in the face for me. Did I like, did does watching shows like this reinforce the, the desperate need that I have to like be a 50s, 60s housewife alive and have a man who's like drinking a scotch and smoking a cigarette do terrible things to me that I know is anti-feminist and probably the worst quality I have? Yes. But it's not a bad quality if, you, if it's what you want. I mean, feminism <laughs> is women having what they want. If that's what you want, that's fine. <laughs> you know, and, so- and it is. It is. That's all I want. I just, I want to wear, I want to wear a mod dress and cook dinner and have him come home and drink scotch and rail me. You know, just don't become Norman Bates and you're yeah. fine. Yeah. Cause I feel like it's a little on the verge of what you want. She's got the nice house dress, comes home and cooks. So she dates men. No, I don't want my son her. to rail me. I'd like my husband. To no, 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 me. no, no. She dates people who are a little bad for her. That's, that's where I was going. <laughs> Not in the sun direction. God bless. But, uh, yeah, I see it. Um, but I'm thinking more like Rosemary from How to Succeed in Business, not really Norma Bates. I have not have seen How to Succeed in Business, which is, I know a tragedy. I'm aware. I get it. I'm aware. It was my first Broadway show. Oh, I love that. My first Broadway show was Pippa. Well, not on Broadway, but the first show, the first musical I was in was Pippa. The first Broadway show I saw was Aladdin. No, yeah, the first musical I saw, like, professionally was Grease. The first Broadway Broadway show I saw was How to Succeed, starring Daniel Radcliffe on Equity Fights AIDS Night. And um, so I, he stayed out on stage. show I saw was Annie. Which is fine. First um, musical musical I saw was Once on this Island when I was in it. Yeah. That's one I want to see that I've never seen. I've heard it's good. So right, don't worry. So. I was in the junior version and the junior version takes all mentions of race out of it. Well, you know. Because otherwise, that would have been a weird, weird concept for me to be in that show. I am translucent. You are indeed. No questions asked. No. Um, so Although I am currently tanner than my Italian boyfriend, so there's that. Ooh, look at you. I know, it's great. I have never been tanner than anyone in my life. Um, it's fine. But, like, if you look at my arm and my face, uh-huh. this is... Different than your arm. Is, yeah, not... Not the same person. Um, now that we've rambled on all of our thoughts about last night in Soho, um, in conclusion, we like watch her it. Writing. Watch it. Just watch it and make we everyone watch it. Highly recommend it. The twists are well worth it if you didn't watch it. 
the music is phenomenal and the cinematography is the best thing about this movie. Absolutely. No questions asked. Answer. Um, I don't know. I think that's about all I have to it. I think it's an excellent cast. I like that the bigger build cast are lesser involved actors. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you look at Anya. I mean, Anya Taylor-Joy is big now. And she was big when this film came out. But compared to the rest of the cast. Right. Like, you think about she, Matt Smith and Diana Rigg. Are yeah. not, are, like, barely in the movie. And actually, to be fair, my last thought I want to say is, in, in terms of the marketing doing the movie dirty, I was very disappointed in how much less present in the movie Matt Smith's character was because the trailer made it feel much bigger. Yeah. And not that his character wasn't important. Absolutely. But it, it wasn't I yeah, I felt let down by that. I think my um let's do pro con. My biggest pro okay. is screw everyone who doesn't agree with me, the writing. I think it's an incredible story. I think it was really well written. And that's, aside from the cinematography, the writing is my pro for the film. Okay. The short pro. My pro is the cinematography. Like, hands down, camera, mirror camera work is very difficult to do well because hiding cameras in mirrors is this whole other level of cinematography in general. But then to have your story focus not just like use mirrors so well but be focused on mirrors in a way that truly feels artistic and the color theory and i mean the scene where she broke through the mirror to protect Anya taylor joy chills but even the first the very the very first the 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 the, the stairs but the very first time where she looked in the mirror and saw it wasn't her and then when she turned away from the mirror it was Anya's face like just moments and then also like the the ghost in the mirror thing and then like the times where she was looking in the mirror and you didn't you like were on edge about what was going to appear in the mirror behind her and there wasn't anything and just like the windows of the telephone booth and the, the way that they use light and reflection mm-hmm. as such a dark thing, like it, and the colors, the neon colors, the, the palette, even as, as simple as um, the subtle changes in light in like the library. And then obviously there was the massive change in light in the library, but the, like, right. the, like there was, I just, the visuals because I'm a I that's one of the reasons I have such a hard time with thrillers is because I'm always so jumpy right and this and this was done so well that like when you were supposed to jump you did but it wasn't on edge because everything was just take you out of it it didn't take you out of it it was subtle it was all done in color and it was and like even the the fire, the way that they use the light of the fire, that image of her sitting on the bed. Chills, literally. It was, it was incredible. And the moments where they had her face shift between um, Mm -hmm. Ellie's and Sandy's. And it was like, you almost didn't notice the change because it was so seamless. Oh, and then 
in the scene when she was confronting who she thought was Jack, but it was really Lindsay and the shift in the color in the bar. Like it just, I, the, yes, I have nothing, nothing to say about this movie except that about the cinematography, like really it was. And that's fine. And not that I'm not saying that the script was bad because I did genuinely like the script. I liked the script. I liked the direction. Like I would, I'm, I would 100% give this like a 9.4 stars out of 10. Absolutely. But the cinematography is so much of it. And that's why, like, I like that we get both of our takes in it because, as because I mean, I'm a writer. I focus on the story every time. Not that I don't care about the visuals, right? And obviously, like, I, 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 I. I'm, I mean, right. I, I write and I teach books and like I do right. theater. And so like, it's not that the writing doesn't get me, but like if I'm watching a movie and the color is making me feel things, that is a whole other level. And I think that's coming from a theater background. Like that's half theater is making like, the oh, I mean, books. yeah, like and lighting design and exactly. And so like we come from different backgrounds to look at the same thing. And I like, I like both takes about it. And the fact that both the visuals and the writing is so incredible. Yeah. Makes this movie top notch for me. Yeah. What's your con? What is my con? Um, this is a weird one. I mean, I think, I mean, my big con is that Matt Smith isn't in it enough because I would like to see him all of the time, I mean, but my, my con is actually the ending. Not because I didn't like it, but because I felt like that moment and also like the way that the, I don't know if you watch through the credits mm-hmm. yeah, and, but the like random flashes random of the city, yeah. um, I very much felt like it was setting up for a sequel, but in a way that wasn't clear enough in what direction a sequel would be going. Like it's, yeah. it's not like she solved the mystery of this girl dying or not dying and the deaths and whatever. And she can't, you can't like, it's not like a thing where she's like, Oh, it's a new ghost to take over her body. It's the same girl. But so what is the next story? Like, where is it going with that? And that's why I also kind of felt like the whole schizophrenia thing was kind of could lean more into it. And I like that it's an open-ended thing, but I don't like that. It felt like a setup that I know isn't going to pay off. I agree. I, I agree. I did not like the scene scene. I did watch through the credits because it felt like because we were left on that hanger, it should have just stopped there. And yes. if it wasn't going to, it should have only had scenes that vaguely explained more. And mm-hmm. we didn't get anything else from those. Like they were, they were so unnecessary and so unimportant and didn't for like follow anything through unless you're trying to move on to a sequel, which I'm sure they're not. This yeah. is not a sequel type movie. Right. And so I, I agree. That was not a great choice for, um, for film. No. And um, I, and I hate that because like, I, I think that if, if it would have just ended at the mirror and then been done, I wouldn't have, but then like there was a flash of color during the credits and I yep. like was like, Oh, and then I was like, but this right. isn't paying anything off. And it's also not, I, yeah, I just, I didn't care for the way that they did that. Absolutely. Um, and I didn't really care for her being in the mirror as a choice of an ending. Like, per- I didn't personally yeah. like that as the choice for the ending, but I could have accepted that if it would have, like, cold blacked after that. Um, I, I did like the choice of her being in the mirror because it 
did leave it a little more open-ended of is she using her memories to move forward or has the Sandy character taken over her life and that's why her fashion shoot went so well because she used her own fashion you know so I but I like I totally understand like I understand it from your point too like it's just a you know choice of preference it's not a choice of right no well or not it's like did you like it or not you know like yeah no I don't think it was done poorly I just I just don't personally for my thoughts on how the movie went that confuses my theories right but it it doesn't mean it was bad i mean they maybe and it confuses mine so so um but the other thing that i will say if i had to really pick a con to be honest it was her relationship with her grandma yeah. i don't feel like that was it felt a little forced. done well it didn't it yeah. didn't feel done well at all I agree with that. And I hate that because, like, that's supposed to be, like, the one person that's, like, rooting her in reality, and it feels fake. Yeah. It feels, yeah, I, if I could, like, go back and do anything, and maybe, to be fair, like, and I hate to say this, but, like, maybe it was just the acting of the grandma, who I'm sure was a lovely actor, but I just, I just felt very static. Yeah. And, like, it felt like she was saying these, like, I'm big and concerned about you, but, like, it didn't feel big and concerned. I agree. Yep. Mm-hmm. but I also just feel like I don't know it didn't feel rooted enough no I agree it's because we didn't get the build up because it's this movie built up a lot in the beginning before it really took her down this path from the 60s mm-hmm. but the way that it built it up it felt like two different movies fire. it did yes so like the family dynamic didn't fully develop in the same way that the memories or second personality but I think that kind of goes that kind of goes to the same point about the introducing the mental illness and then not really yeah. touching it yeah i think absolutely. that i think that there was maybe too much for one movie i think so and i think i think one of their focuses was to leave it open-ended and maybe they just didn't close enough you know yeah. like they could have left it open-ended so close some more yeah. um or they could have just not tried to make us care about a character. Like, it's one thing to be like, she has a grandma that loves her. It's another thing to try to make us care about that relationship and right. then not, not pay it off. It could have just been another relationship and let yeah. it go. Like, for sure. Um, I mean, that happens a lot, especially in, like, teen dramas. You see that Well, and, espe- and especially in horror movie. movies, the family, you don't get attached to that. Right. Yeah, for sure. So. Um, my biggest con, other than I do agree with the mental health aspect not being fully developed. I mm-hmm. definitely agree with that. Um, it's the marketing. I know it's what I've been saying, but I think it really messed this movie up because yeah. I know I look at that a lot. I mean, I mean, that's part of what I do in my job. I don't do marketing, but like I do, I mean, we pitch songs to films. We figure out how our songs are going to place and stuff. So we'd figure out how the marketing works. And, you know, I was in marketing club in college, which is an interesting thing I did. <laughs> Um, but like I'm paying attention to like promoting myself. And then like when we're trying to promote the podcast, I pay attention to like what's promoting, what's trending, how do we do this? And it's like they somehow missed that mark. Yeah. They were like, we want this to be horror because it's coming out October 29th. Right. It's meant to be a horror film because it's coming out at Halloween. But it's like I mean, like now you messed yourself up. Right. Because I loved this movie. I will say I I loved this movie. But also the movie that I watched a trailer for, I want to see that movie. Yeah, because this is not that very movies. Like I watched with my aunt, and an hour through, I was like, "This isn't a horror film," and she was like, "It's a little scary." I was like, "No, it's it's not a horror film." I was like, 
this is a psychological. I mean, to be fair, I'm very glad I watched it in the daytime. No, true. I mean, I watched (laughs) it at midnight, so I can't say anything. But like, and I, I watch, that's the thing is also, but with horror, I have to watch it the daytime. I've been watching American Horror Story lately. Yeah. I have to watch it the daytime. I watched this movie. I started at midnight. Okay. And I was perfectly fine. Hadn't I probably would have been really, truly, but I also like was not. I was, yeah. and part of it was just the visual, the visual of the faceless, like hundred men. Yeah. That was a little creepy, but that like. That was a lot. That was, for me, that was a lot. Right. But I also think that. And again, I think part of it is uh, the psychological part, not the thriller part, because it didn't creep me out in the sense that, like, that was terrifying. It creeped me out in the sense of, like, having been an essay victim and having the feeling of what those hundred faceless men could be. Like, that's... Don't worry, mine all have faces, but... But but I... So, again, but that goes back to the thing of it wasn't a horror movie. No, absolutely. And I think, I think that's where a lot of the, the marketing went wrong. And I think that's yeah. why it had a lot of the reviews it had because, because I mean, Which I did have a, a good review for people that knew what they were watching. And like my friend, my friend, Zach is super horror buff. He's into all horror films, loved this movie, but he's also really good. We, we have a lot of similar like thought patterns. So he's able to separate it from like, Oh, you said this is horror, but you were wrong. It's not. So it's the same thing I did. I, yeah. I approached it as a horror film and I was ready to be scared an hour and I was like, this is absolutely not a horror film, but it's also one of the best movies I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, and it's no, a- I'm actually, um, so Dan doesn't watch horror movies. Like he's not a big horror person, but I told him that once I watched this for the podcast and I'd already seen it, I put it on our list of movies we have to watch together. And then I was like, and hopefully when I watch for the podcast, I then don't take it off the list of movies we're going to watch together. And I yeah. absolutely, what if it had been terrible? Yeah. But I absolutely, do want to watch it with him because I know that it won't scare him. I want to know what he thinks. I I want to get his thought provoking because I want I want to know what his I want to know what his brain thinks about this. Absolutely, and that's yeah. that's what these films are meant for. They're meant to be thrillers. They're meant to be psychological. They're not meant to scare you and move to the next one. They're meant to keep you thinking mm-hmm. and keep you going. And that's yeah. it's the type of horror I like. And it's I mean it's the same thing we said about Woman in Black. I mean it was a psychological thriller. And I mean, and that's, elements, I mean, and think but... about it, like, my, my, like, top five favorite horror movies are, like, The Woman in Black, Shutter Island, Cabin in the Woods, The Orphan. Like, they're all movies that are, like, barely scary. They're just fucking with your head. I mean, my favorite. I love Cabin in the Woods. I love Hide and Seek. Hide and Seek was really this good. It's on the list now. Like, these are the type of movies I like as well. Like, it's yeah. just, you know, it's one that, that keeps you thinking but doesn't. I mean, the shows I like, I love Cruel Summer, very much a psychological mm-hmm. thriller, not a horror. Yeah. Same thing. And I mean, I know Pretty Little Liars is one of my favorite movies, and they've come out with Original Sin. Yeah, and we've been talking about how Original Sin is. Right. And it leans more on horror, but it leans more on the horror of like 80s horror. It's not like I'm going to watch The Nun in theaters, which is not a thing I will ever do. Ever, ever. Ever in my life. I'm understanding I'm the horror side. It is not a thing I will watch. But. I've seen one, I've seen like one real true horror movie in the theaters and it was Paranormal Activity 4 and I will absolutely never do that again. Never. I have only seen um, Insidious Mm -hmm. and I started it and then I was like, we have to drink immediately because I can't watch this anymore. And I watched the first half of it and then played drinking games until I didn't know the movie was on anymore. Oh, no, no, I won't even watch it. But I mean, I saw Paranormal Activity 4 in the theater. Yeah, that's not it. That's not um, it. I did also see Dark Water in the theater. 
I haven't uh, seen that, but I think it's less horror. Than- it's less horror, more um, more psychological, but it's basically, if you've seen The Ring, you've already seen this movie. It okay, I also haven't seen The Ring. I did watch The Grudge, but I watched it in the daytime. Um, and I watched um, Winchester in the theater, which I regretted every single second I was in the movie. Oh, theater. I haven't watched Winchester. Is it based on the house, though? Yes. But it, here's the thing. This is, this is the thing. I went in, I was like, I know everything about the Winchester Mystery House. I love that story. I'm not going to be fine. I'm not, I'm going to know what to expect. This is going to be great. Helen Mirren's in it. Woo, woo. It was a jump scare movie. The whole movie is a jump scare oh, movie. No. I literally was rocking back and forth in the movie, oh. crying, saying out loud in the movie theater full of people, I should have seen Peter Rabbit. I should have seen Peter Rabbit. I should That's have seen so Peter Rabbit. That's depressing, though. Like, that movie, The Winchester Mystery House, is so fascinating. And the, the thing like, is, it's the, horror. But you oh, yeah. could make it. The plot, the plot of the movie, the, to be fair, the plot of the movie was good. It was a good thriller. It was a good, scary movie. But welcome to the 2010s. Like, you don't do that without just right. throwing things out of the theater at people, and I yeah. wanted to die. Yeah, jump scares are not for me. I love yeah. a good psychological thriller. I like a horror that makes you think. But you you can't give a person with an anxiety attack, like a disorder, a jump scare movie. You just can't. Absolutely not. No. No. Prozac doesn't fix that. No. It's not it's not what it's for. Absolutely not. Um yeah. Um so this is the longest episode in existence of Death and Aliens, I think. I don't know. The very the episode two where Monica and I talked about Hemlocker over the first time was oh, two ages. hours long. Yeah. I don't know though. This one's been on for <laughs> quite a while. It's uh, solidly at an hour and a half right now. May have to cut it a bit, but it's fine. Um it's I won't, but it's fine. I know, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so needless to say, we love this film. We hope you have similar thoughts. We hope you have a lot of thoughts about it because we sure do, and we are not settled on any of them. Um, so if you want to tell us your thoughts and we can have thought-provoking discussions, maybe we'll jump on a Reddit. Who knows? You can email us, deathandaliens at gmail.com. You can find us on all the social media at deathandaliens. And you can find me at cecloud13. And I am everywhere at E-M-K-A-Y underscore superstar. And stay tuned because we are jumping right back into Bates Motel Season 3. Come next Thursday. But first, we have the Season 2 premiere of Stargate SG-1 coming on Sci-Fi Sunday. And we will see you for that. All right. Bye.